DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Is Jesus Calling You? A Spiritual Guide for Discerning Your Vocational Call with Father Paul Hazing. Father Hazing is a priest of the Archdiocese of Omaha. He has served as a Director of Catholic Campus Ministry, a Director of the Office of Vocations, and has been a trusted spiritual director for the Institute for Priestly Formation. Father Hazing currently serves as the Dean of Seminarians and Director of Human Formation for Kenrick Glennon Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. Is Jesus Calling You? A Spiritual Guide to Discerning Your Vocational Call with Father Paul Hazing. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Quite a beautiful document that has been offered by the National Conference of Diocesan Vocation Directors entitled, Is Jesus Calling You to Be a Catholic Priest? And what we've seen so far, as with so many gifts that are given to the Church, has such deeper meaning for all the faithful in the Church, doesn't it, Father? It does. It's a, it's a wonderful guide that can help a number of people uh, become discerners become people of prayer who will have not just a technique or not just a method, but a encounter with the Lord who will lead a person in the prayer, which is a gift. And so the booklet allows a person to have a readiness to receive the gift of prayer and be led in prayer. And it also offers some very practical advice in terms of receiving the sacraments regularly and uh, being truthful oneself with oneself and, and living the life of virtue. Really, those three pieces are so important, the life of virtue, mm-hmm. the sacraments, and prayer. It is a reflection, I think, that all of us struggle with in the church. This is really more of a, the universality, once again, as demonstrated this of this booklet for all of us when we look at the second lesson, when it instructs us to learn to desire what God desires for you. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what we as faithful struggle to do? We may not even be able to articulate it, but deep down we want to desire what God desires for us. We live most of our lives calculating for ourselves. I mean, you look at children, and from age three, they can tell when the brother or sister got more than them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They got more ice cream than me their cake is bigger than mine, we grow up calculating for ourselves, calculating to fulfill our desires. And this selfish calculation is so strongly operative in us to say, I desire no longer my will, but his will, is a tremendous movement uh, of the whole human heart toward God. It's the, it's it's a real uh, necessary uh, foundation of conversion in this second step. When encountering Christ, to desire then what he desires will lead to that following. The disciples all had to go through this. They encountered him. But Mark doesn't artic- articulate it in his gospel. He goes to the shores of Galilee. He calls them, and they leave everything. So we're left to wonder what allowed them to say yes and then desire what he desires. We're going to walk. We're going to walk this direction. You're going to leave everything. You're going to come with me. So we're allowed to imagine what that encounter did to change their hearts, to desire what he desired for them. This is the heart of every vocation, this openness to him 
always. There's a time in which a seminarian is interviewed sometimes by the rector, and the rector of the, the North American College related a story of interviewing one man. And he asked the man, why do you want to be a priest? And the young seminarian looked at him awkwardly and, and said, pardon me, Monsignor, but what I really want has nothing to do with it. I want to be a priest because I have discerned, after a lot of prayer, soul-searching, and talking with people I trust, that the Lord wants me to be a priest. It's not about me. It's about Him. And so fundamentally, desiring what God desires is that shift of, it's not about me. It's about Him and His desires for me. That's a remarkable change of heart. That's an important moment in discernment. It's a handing over that must happen. We like to dictate the terms of surrender. I'll surrender to you, Lord, if I make sure that I don't have to move to Africa and I don't want to go over across this sea and I don't want to have a really poor life. I'm really afraid. There's the heart of it. Fear. We have to talk about fear. Mm-hmm. Fear is what our Lord was always addressing when he approached his apostles. It was the phrase he used so often in the Gospels. It's the phrase the angels would use when they encounter anybody in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Do not be afraid. And our Lord again, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. John Paul II, in being introduced to the whole world, he's going to lead the world into depths of spiritual waters the world has never experienced through his writings and his his preachings and his travels. He's going to lead the world, and he starts it, by saying, do not be afraid. And so when we come to a point where we're beginning to say, I want to desire what you desire, Lord, we're going to encounter that heart of why we haven't been desiring it. And that's fear. Very often, because we've been calculating for ourselves, it comes out of this survival and also this competitiveness and this desire for happiness. We want to be happy, and if I don't get what I want, I might not be happy. And this has to be addressed. Where does our true happiness lie? Does it lie in acquiring things? Does it lie in pleasures? So if it's not possessiveness and it's not hedonism, we discover it's not going to lead to happiness, then where does it lie? It lies with Him. He wants the best for us. Does this conquer our fear? This is what the movement of learning to desire what God desires will lead us to confront, to confront those fears. It's important to also see the difference in the words desire and want, isn't it? Wanting seems to betray that calculation for self. I want this. I need this. And our Lord approaches his apostles and they let go of their nets. They let go of their family. Uh, ties there, and they follow unreservedly. I desire this says more about what the heart truly has been seeking. Wants and needs will come out of those uh, places of the heart that really are uh, not mature in the faith or those places of the heart that are attached to fears or attached to Uh, old resentments, and even resentments against God. You took my family member. 
when it was too soon, or this tragedy happened and you didn't help, resentment's there, or it'll center on some sort of smallness of heart, not seeing the the big picture that God is always calling us into, this big mission into the world that from our baptism we're given to go out into the world. We're content to have a a comfortable chair and a big screen TV, and this is this is what God will break us out of, and and our fears will keep us in comfort. Our fears will keep us in comfort. And if you feed someone uh, who's made for greatness, comfortable things will end up being miserable. And so, learning to God, desire what God desires is that growth in love, the love that every heart is made for, and not just the wants that keep us in comfortable places. He'll move us out of comfort. And when he does that, we'll be having to relate our fears to him. Lord, I'm afraid about this. Lord, I'm, I'm afraid about this. Uh, I'm afraid because I still have resentments here. This has to be related to him. The apostles did this. They even heckled him on the night before he died. We don't know where you're going, Lord. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. I'll never leave you, Lord. You'll deny me. But he comes back to Peter. He's always hearing their fears. And he's always pressing in on them. And exploding them from the inside by his very presence. He won't leave us. Mm -hmm. Death won't even get in his way. He'll go through death to be with us. Nothing will get in his way of being with us and conquering those fears. So praying in his presence is the way of conquering those fears. He conquers them. We relate them to him, and he dispels them because he's there. Especially when we're suffering. Especially when we're tormented by fears. Fear is truly the opposite of faith, isn't it? Moving from being a fearful person, the desire is to become a faithful person, isn't it? Truly. It's the, it's the voice against Christ. It's the spirit against Christ, that spirit of fear. Um, the spirit of fear will always try to make you be afraid of what God may want for you. And Father Richter, in writing this, gives wonderful examples. He, he gives the example of Michael, uh, a student in college, and, and Michael is discerning priesthood, and he's doing it over the course of several months, and he's experiencing the voice of Christ in the sacraments, in confession and in Eucharist, and that voice has the content of imagining what a priest does and thinking about how a priest is living in the world and being attracted to all of those elements of priesthood and experiencing peace. This is the voice of Christ, and experiencing those moments of peace. And then he has the contrasting feeling and thoughts of, oh, what do I have to give up? What do I have to, uh, I, w I really like families. I would love to be a father. And this makes me very afraid. And he, he gives this uh, scenario of Michael, which is told the world over. This, he just tells the story of a human heart. Any human heart that is looking at Christ and seriously wanting to receive a call and the experience of being affirmed and at peace with one call 
and then on another day where he's very busy being very desolate and very afraid and very anxious about what that call may entail. And Michael discovers, after telling his family, I'm seriously considering the priesthood. He experiences his father saying, with his body language, why would you ever want to do that? His mother saying, we knew you had a special call. And going back into his heart, listening very closely to those thoughts and feelings and desires around his father's reaction, pressure, resistance, a lack of peace, a real disappointment, and then realizing how much he's wanted the priesthood. Over six, seven, eight months, his desire for priesthood had grown, and he discovered it in the light of his father's reaction. And so Michael, we're given to see, starts to have the experience of trusting and being open to what God wants as he has discerned the voice of Christ through the experiences he had in prayer and then the reaction of his parents, he's able to see the voice of Christ is not one of pressure or resistance or putting something upon us that is foreign. The voice of Christ will fit into the desire of our hearts, the good desires of our hearts. And so the clarity he has now is I can tr be able to trust him, to lead me. He's led me so far in this direction. I can continue to desire what he desires. And he gets to see how the Spirit of Christ will confirm him in faith and continue to dispel those fears. In learning to desire what God desires for you, it really is even beyond the emotion of loving God and being open to the desire. But it's also, seems to me, from what you're saying, and in part an act of our will as well. It is a call for us to actually move mm -hmm. emotionally. It's something to go against. Mm. I'm reminded of the story of Abraham and Isaac. I mean, here's the classic example of fearfulness and faithfulness mm. and continuing to move forward even if it means losing something and being fearful of losing something, but it's the desire that Abraham had to do God's will. Mm -hmm. That episode of the, of the Old Testament is perhaps the most widely and deeply pondered episode, but it had not just come out of the blue. Abraham was on a, a, a pedagogy, a classroom, if you will, his whole life from the moment we're introduced to him in Ur, we see him moving out of his homeland and into a strange land and then into Egypt and back into a promised land and then trusting the promise and then trusting the promise that he will have progeny and all the way he's being opened and opened through steps that the God leads him the whole time to the moment where he takes his son to Mount Moriah and is ready to fulfill what he heard to be the Father's will and is stopped before he takes his son's life. It's a foreshadowing of the Father's own desire to save us, sparing not his only son. It leads us into that uh, understanding of God's desire for us. He'll spare nothing for us. Why not trust him? So Abraham, our father in faith, as we hear in the Roman canon, is showing us how much the father will take care of us so much to, 
that he'll, he'll do everything to reach us, to even give us his only son. This is meant to conquer uh, that fearfulness in us that says, I, I don't know if he's going to do the right thing for me. I, I don't know if he'll, he'll take me to where I'll be really happy. And in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus will say, What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asked for fish? Or hand him a scorpion when he asked for an egg? This is meant to invite us to be open to the Father, to open to his desire for us. Without this openness, this desiring what God desires for you, we'll, we'll have to return then to the first step of this lesson in prayer, these spiritual lessons. Return then to the Son and see how the Son is taken care of by the Father all the time through encounters with the Pharisees, through the temptations in the desert, through the crucifixion, the Father is always taken by the Son. The Father's so in love with His Son, He's taken with His Son through all of that. So when we go back to the encounter of Christ, He opens us back to the Father again. The second lesson can throw us back to the first again and again. Go back to the Son. Trust the Father. And it continues to be that whole journey and the fact that Jesus is referred to as the way. Mm-hmm. He guides us in that step. And when someone is discerning a call, in particular to the priesthood or religious life, part of it is not to anticipate what the end is as much as don't be fearful to take the first step and trust in your response to wanting to do God's will, just take the first step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, to be very concrete, it doesn't mean that I feel God is calling me to the priesthood. Bang, I'm a priest. No. I mean, it is. It's that whole process that you have to go through long before. That is way down the road, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. And you've been prepared to that point, too, to be questioning, to be pondering, uh, what God's will is for you, it was a preparation beforehand, too. There was a remote preparation for all of those questions. And it was a life of prayer. It was a life with your family. It was in that domestic church that we spoke of earlier. That's all part of that history of responding to him. Uh, something that uh, came to mind as I was considering what God desires for you, learning to desire what God desires for you, this openness to his plan over and against our plans, which we might want, is often nurtured and trained in those families where there's a robust family life of interaction and a family life where you have to interact with other wills all Mm -hmm. the time. Uh, I look at this family, uh, Father Tom Richter, who uh, authored this book. uh, I've gotten to know his family over the years. His younger brother is a friend of mine, and he's my age, and they have 14 children in the family. They grew up in a very small house, about 1,600 square feet. Wow. And it was a dairy farm. And on this dairy farm, these 14, mostly brothers, there's eight brothers, and there's six sisters, and they they all grew up in such a way that they're interacting very intensely all the time. And when I see the family together, I see their wills interact, and there's a deference. There's a readiness to see out another person, to receive what they're willing and then to discuss loudly sometimes or mm-hmm. uh, jovially or jocularity. It's just a beautiful scene of openness to each other. 
in those big, robust families. There's an openness to each other that develops and allows then God's will can intercede and interject in that atmosphere so well. So they have two priests in the family, Father David Richter and Father Tom Richter, two priests in one family, and marriages that have at least four to five children. So it's a, it's a robust family that grew up with a sense of openness to each other so that they could be open to God. The goodness they saw in each other prepared them for the goodness that God was willing to give to them. And so our family life can often be a source of anxiety and fearfulness if we're not used to being open to each other. If there's lots of mistrust in family history, then we'll have to bring that to the Lord to show us how to be open to Him. If we haven't experienced goodness in others very often, if we've been hurt very often by others, we'll have to bring that to the Lord to heal us so that we might be further opened to him. It's sad in today's culture, particularly in America, where so many families, whether they realize it or not, are fostering areas of isolation in their life. Mm. It begins by having the garage door opener that allows you to go directly into the garage, shut the door, maybe barbecue in the backyard that's lined with a privacy fence. We no longer have porches, so we don't even interact with mm. our our neighbors, mm -hmm. and then every child has their own room, and every room has their own community center, essentially, whether it's a computer and a television and other elements that keep us separated. Even though we want the best, we want to give them things that will make them happy, we're ultimately forming pockets of isolation where the individual wants have never experienced that desire to do the will of another, mm -hmm. ultimately. And that is something any vocation director will look for in a candidate for priesthood, an openness to others, a readiness to serve others, uh, a willingness to go out and meet others, uh, which is part of the evangelical task, uh, to meet others where they're at. And so if a man is presenting himself and, and wanting to discern and he's leading himself into a certain isolation, which will be part of that navel-gazing and figuring out a puzzle, he's missing the whole point of discernment. It will open us to others. As we become more open to God and His will, He'll lead us to be open to others. Healing past hurts, reconciling other uh, relationships. And very often we find that uh, how we relate to others is how we'll relate to God. As John points out, how can you love the God you do not see if you do not love the brother you do see? And in seminary life, this happens very intensely. Uh, men brought together in a household where they have to interact on a day-to-day -day basis, those interactions will shed light on how they're relating to God, whether or not they're open to God. If a man is shutting down in the seminary and the formators will see that, they'll be able to say, what's going on in your life? What's going on in your prayer life? And shed light on how well they're desiring what God, God desires for them. Because some will carry on on their own and think they've figured out their vocation on their own. And you'll note that seminarian who was interviewed by the rector of the college uh, in seminary, he, he said, I've come here not because of what I have willed, but because of what has happened in much prayer, soul searching, and talking with people I trust, opening up to people. This is what brought me to desire what God wills. And so that's a very important piece, this isolation that's so common in our individualistic society 
must be resisted. And fear will be in the way. I like being alone. Mm -hmm. Because it's better I won't get hurt. The Lord will lead us through those hurts. Because we won't be alone. We'll be with him. It's the difference between managing interaction Mm. and building relationship. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately when you've encountered Christ and you know him, you are drawn into the relationship of the Trinity. It's that relationship of love. Mm -hmm. And he's asking you to participate in relationship. Relationships, that's what it's all about. (laughs) I remember encountering uh, Monsignor Dunn on a particular occasion and well, not just one occasion, but many occasions, he'll say, it's all about relationships. It's all about relationship. And so what we bring to confession will reveal how our relationships are going, uh, our truthfulness in them, our, our old hurts that we still hold from relationships. Those relationships we pay attention to so that we might let the Trinity dwell in us, let that indwelling of the Trinity give rise to more fruitful uh, and more healthy relationships, uh, more spiritually healthy relationships, and and then resist those relationships that are not of God or are based on uh, situations or factors that are not of God and discern which ones that are leading us away from God, leading us into gossip gossip or, or leading us into uh, continual habits of sin to be letting those go. And any man who is considering priesthood will have to consider those. Coming out of college myself, I had to consider those, which relationships were leading me away from God. And that's part of the discernment that took place before, that pre-formation that every man will, in a sense, experience as he's discerning the priesthood. We're about to close this particular segment, Father Hazing. Once again, the reflections that are given at the end of this particular lesson are so important for us to ponder. The questions revolve around the Father and His goodness for us. Do you trust that God always wants what is best for you? Where do you begin to become afraid of giving God permission to lead you? When do you begin to try to manipulate God or want you to think will make you happy? When that happens, simply say over and over again inside of yourself, Father, I give you permission to lead me. Father, I desire your goodness for me. Father, I trust you. Father, we ask that you give us those new hearts of trust, hearts that will desire your will, hearts that are ready to receive your will. We ask this in faith as we ask your blessing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Is Jesus Calling You? with Father Paul Hazing. This series is based on Is Jesus Calling You to Be a Catholic Priest? A Helpful Guide, published by the National Conference of Diocesan Vocation Directors. To hear and or download this episode, or to learn more about what you've heard, Go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Is Jesus Calling You? with Father Paul Hazen.